Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 51 of the Ringside Rundown podcast brought to you by TWM.news. My name is Eric Vasquez, and joining me on the line is my podcasting partner in crime. Yes, that rhymes. She is Shay Hickson. Shay, what's going on? What's up? Uh, just enjoying the weekend, the three-day weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep forgetting uh, tomorrow is July 4th. It is. So so should be should be fun. You doing anything for the holiday? sleeping in yeah good idea uh, that's usually i always try to on the weekends especially catch up on the sleep whenever i can but that's about it just spending the weekend with my parents that's about it awesome awesome yeah i'm just gonna be uh i'm gonna be home treating it like any other day yeah just <laughs> a monday but i don't know and like a non-average monday i guess right Right, yeah, definitely. I know what you feel. It's like it it, it doesn't feel like uh it, it doesn't feel like a holiday. I feel like the summer's going by way too fast. Yeah, and it's gonna just throw the whole week off too because I'll go into work on Mon on Tuesday and think, Wow, this is a this is a really weird Monday because it's not Monday. It's gonna be the most Monday Tuesday <laughs> ever. Yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, for you listeners out there, we have a great show planned for you today. We're going to be talking about, um, we're going to go through the polls for Forbidden Door and also talk a little bit about the Blood and Guts match that happened on, on Wednesday and also what's going on with AEW past that. Plus, we're going to talk about last night's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. So should be good stuff, a lot to talk about. You ready to get into it? I am always ready. All right, all right. Well, like I said, we're going to talk about Forbidden Door, which happened last week. I know it's been a little bit of a while, you know, that we talked about stuff like this, but I wanted to get through the polls and get those out there because I know people are interested in knowing about the matches and things like that and what we thought about the matches. Um, there was actually four matches on the pre-show. We, we had one that wasn't even advertised that we didn't even do get to do in the predictions now there were four matches I'm, I'm surprised they were able to squeeze four matches in, in that pre-show me too because we knew about the three and then mm -hmm. when i turned on the buy-in they just threw that extra one in there like we all knew it was there anyway and <laughs> i was confused um not really surprised because I guess when we talk about the match, I guess it does make sense to include that, but it wasn't bad. Just, I, I was impressed too, that they got through four matches without like feeling like they were rushing through it, but mm -hmm. they gave them enough time and not enough yeah. where the match ended. And then all of a sudden the pay-per-view has to start. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. Uh, I agree with you there. So for the first match on the, on the buy-in episode of, uh, Forbidden Door. We had Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. They got the win over QT Marshall and Aaron Solo. Uh, this match it was uh, it came in tied for four and three flame emojis with thirty six percent, which is actually very surprising considering the factory isn't that popular. No, I mean they're the bad guys, so of course the crowd's gonna boo them. I think it was, I don't know, it wasn't a terrible match by any means. It also wasn't. One that I nothing, fully remember. Right. Nothing to write home and to yeah. stick in your memory, basically. Yeah, exactly. Then we have uh, Lance, Lance Archer get the win over another factory member in Nick Camarado. He hits the blackout. And uh, this one had a lot of votes in it, too. 33% gave it three flame emojis. I was surprised that this was actually... Um, Good, because sometimes when you get those two big men, like Nick Camarado and Lance Archer, sometimes yeah. two big men don't have good chemistry. But this was pretty interesting. 
Yeah, I'd say it, it was another one of those where it wasn't really bad. Um, they definitely got their hits in. Uh, that was kind of it, though. It was just two big guys hitting each other, and then then the match is over. Right, yeah. Next up, Keith Lee gets the win for his team pinning Kanemaru against Kanemaru and El Desperado. Um, we didn't get to see any sort of turns on each other like we've been hinting at maybe it's going to happen between Keith Lee and Swerve. There was none of that mess. Um, they actually worked together well as a team, and the match was pretty good. Uh, out of all the votes, 50% gave a four flame emoji, so that was probably the best match of the buy-in. I, I completely agree, and it as much as there's potential dissension between Swerve and Keith, they really do work well together. Like, that sequence, this one I do remember specifically because I remember he, like, Swerve, like, jumped off Keith to get to, I don't remember which one it was, but then he like kicked Esperado and like hung him up on the ropes and then like stomping onto the outside. That was mm -hmm. cool. That was like, that yeah. was really cool, but that's what you expect from Keith and Swerve. So I wasn't surprised, kind of surprised they won, but I'm not complaining. No, definitely not. And then on the, the, I guess what you consider the main event of the buy-in, uh, it was supposed to be the ass boys, <laughs> Billy Gunn and Max Caster. They were supposed to take on um, the L.A. Dojo. But because of Danhausen playing a little trickery, there was really no ass boys. I mean, Danhausen was just trying to be nice. He just wanted to <laughs> give him a surprise. He, I loved how in the video he's like, I hope you're not too busy. I have like a, I have a present for you. I hope you're not really busy with anything right now. And it's just that's just Danhausen. I'm glad they were able to include him on the show because <laughs> we need that little Danhausen fun. And yeah. Yeah, the match itself, it was fine. It was pretty sloppy from what I can remember, but I cared more about Danhausen than I actually did the match. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, well, despite no ass boys, Billy Gunn and Max Caster get the win over the LA Dojo. This one out of all the votes that came in was also tied for three, uh, for four and three flame emojis with 41%. So you guys uh, thought the buy-in was pretty good. Uh, nothing too outrageous, nothing too crazy. But again, like we said, it was it was kind of cool to see them get four matches in in a one hour span, and nothing go wrong from there. Yeah, I agree. It was it was a pretty decent buy in. Um, like you said, you got a lot of action packed in the an hour, not even an hour. They usually condense that into what maybe forty five minutes or so. Yeah, but it wasn't too bad. It was definitely worth watching. I think. No, definitely. Uh, and then we get to the main show. They opened up with uh, the Jericho Appreciation Society teaming up with Suzuki Gun members to take on uh, Eddie Kingston, Shota Umino, and I forget the, who was the who was the other one. Uh, Wheeler on, on that. Wheeler Yuta, that's right. I can't forget about Wheeler Yuta. Yeah, but Chris Jericho, <laughs> Chris Jericho ends up getting the win for his team, hitting the Judas effect on Shota Umino. It was, I thought it was a great opening match. It was very chaotic, but it wasn't... It didn't fall into that bad habit sometimes AEW has with those multi-man matches where all hell mm -hmm. just breaks loose and you can't concentrate on anything. They right. somehow managed to avoid that, and I think the match benefited because of it. Um, it was good. I think every everyone had their moment to shine. There wasn't, wasn't really any moment where I felt one person was out of place. I thought it was a pretty mm -hmm. decent one, and clearly from the beginning of the pay-per-view we were already wrong because we didn't pick jericho and them to win we thought they would have a good feel good moment for eddie and them but no that didn't happen 
that's one thing I wanted to touch on. How about the popularity that seems to be increasing every week for Eddie Kingston? It's honestly not surprising, at least to me, because we always talk about when you have somebody who's as passionate as he is, you can't help but believe in the guy. Regard, I mean, even when he was a heel, people were still cheering for him. So you just you can't help but like him because I think he's just a realistic kind of guy. And right. we always say, if you're passionate with your promos and believe in what you're saying, then anybody's going to buy into your stuff. And Eddie definitely makes you want to buy into his persona and what he believes in so yeah i'm all for eddie getting the getting what he deserves yeah that's the that's the one thing um about it about eddie kingston that i think people the reason they gravitate towards him is because he makes everything seem real you know he's a real person there's no character to him everything you see on the on the show that he presents is really him you know so it's kind of it's kind of people that's why people really get into um having him around and seeing him on TV. He kind of reminds me uh, this kind of is going to sound crazy, but he gives me a little bit of a stone cold feel. Oh yeah, cuz it's just that unapologetically himself kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really care what people think of him. He's just going to go out and speak his truth and uh, that's that. Yeah, I so it, I guess it's not out of the realm of of craziness to to compare him at least in in a pre- presentation sense as like a yeah. a stone cold and every man sort of personality that everybody can gravitate towards. Yeah, no, definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, but again, I thought it was a great opening match. It definitely got the crowd hype. That's the one thing about AEW crowds, though, especially for their pay-per-views. You don't really need to do a lot to get them off their feet. They're kind of already jacked up. It's a different vibe uh, compared to, like, a WWE show. There's yeah. the, the, the demographic is different, so I feel like that's why you see a certain different reaction when it comes to these pay-per-views and things like that. Yeah, it's just, it really is like a breath of fresh air, especially when you see like, example, I had to rewatch Money in the Bank earlier to get ready for today. Mm-hmm. They were from the start on the ground floor working their way up. AEW, you don't have to worry about that. That crowd's already excited for whatever they're going to see. It doesn't matter what starts that show. They're already amped up for it and very rarely does the crowd i feel like the only time the crowd really gets like quiet is because they're just tired because they've been dealing with three hours of stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely it's definitely nice to see a crowd get into it right from the jump because wwe's it's very hard to do that because they don't really give you a reason to right and they're just there yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. So moving on in the show, we had a great winner-takes-all uh, tag team match between three teams. We had FTR defending the ROH tag team titles, and then you had Jeff Cobb and Great Okan of New Japan uh, defending the IWGP heavyweight titles. And then you had Rapongi Vice thrown in there to add a little sizzle to the match. Um, this was another great match. I mean, FTR, what can you say? They keep having these great matches. They're solidifying themselves as the best tag team uh, on the planet, and they mm-hmm. did so by winning this match and winning the IWGP heavyweight tag team titles along with the ROH and AAA tag team titles. So what can you say? They they hold all the gold, and they're, they're the best team on the planet. They really are the best team, tag team in the world right now, and it's not even close. Um 
yeah, this is another one of those where it could have easily just went off the rails with so many people in it. And then it had a whole other wrench thrown into it with uh, Dax getting hurt, supposedly. We don't really know if it was like a real injury that's right. or not. That's right. He did leave mid-match, leaving um, um, Cash Wheeler there for alone for a bit. But he did come back taped up. Like you said, it, it, it's unsure if it's a legit injury or if it was part of the match. Yeah, and... Either way, they regardless if it was real or not, they still were able to make it work, and that match was fun to watch from the be- from beginning to end. It was it was smooth. It was not sloppy in the least, and there wasn't really one of those. Okay, well, clearly these two were the standout teams, and then this other one is just kind of there. I think people could have expected that to be Rapongi Voice, but it really wasn't. Every team mm-hmm. got their moment to shine, and we knew FTR was winning, but that still didn't make the match any less exciting. Yeah, that's true. I feel like everybody had FTR winning this match simply because it was one of those, well, if you want to have a winner-take-all represent multiple companies, why not have the best tag team on the planet do so? And that's no slouch to the other teams in the match. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you got to go with what's hot, and clearly FTR is the hottest team in all of wrestling right now. Definitely. Well, I asked you guys what you thought of the match on Twitter, and you guys, 60% of the votes that come in gave it four flame emojis. That's mm-hmm. what you expect when you get a, an FTR match. You get all flame emojis, definitely, for sure. Yes. Can't, couldn't and, agree more with that. And then next up, we have, for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship, we had a fatal four-way between Malachi Black, Pac, Miro, and Clark Connors of New Japan Pro Wrestling. This was a, a, a great match. I felt like everybody had their moment to shine in the match. I We both were cheering on Malachi Black, and I honestly thought he almost had the match won. Um, I thought it could have been between him or Miro, but it ends up being Pac who gets the win. Yeah, I as soon as he hit the mist, I'm like, thank God they're actually doing this, and then... They did not. <laughs> and then it was fun until it wasn't fun. But um, it really doesn't surprise me as much as I think it surprises people to see Pac win because he's been there from the start. He kind of needs some goal because he's a day one. Yes. So I'm not mad about it. I'm just more disappointed because I want a Malachi to win something. And I mean, hey, he could take it off pack hopefully um or could get the trios titles that we've been you know waiting 10 years for but other than that the match honestly wasn't bad it was pretty fun it had it had a lot of a little bit of everything almost Mm -hmm. and i'm just glad they didn't fall into that um it's almost kind of a wwe thing of okay well we're gonna keep miro down for as long as possible but you're not gonna be able to keep him down the whole time and that's how he wins I was just, it's sad because you're so used to the, just that preconditioned, okay, they put him through a table and did all this thing and, oh, he's just going to come back and this is how he wins. And I think a lot of people were expecting him to win and it just would have been so predictable if he did. So I'm not a mad at Pac winning. I just want to Malachi, but I'd say it was still a pretty fun match. Yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was a fun match. Like I said, everybody had their time to shine. Um, I they just kind of caught me off guard when when uh, Malachi hit that mist. I'm yeah. thinking, well, well, there you go. There's the end of the match. But it kept going. Um, Pat hits a 450 and then puts the brutalizer on Clark Connors to get the win. I asked you guys what you thought on Twitter. Another match uh, that gets a four flame uh, emoji vote 
with 67% of the votes for that match coming in for Four Flames. So, again, you guys thought that was a great match as well. So, um, so far, up until this point, this card is doing really good. I know we're kind of flying through it, but it did happen a while back, so we don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, but then we get over to the next match on the card, which is the Bullet Club reuniting for one night only against what they consider what they call Dudes with Attitudes. Yeah, great name. I, I wonder who came up with that name. But uh, it was the Young Bucks and Al Phantasmo taking on Sting, Darby Allin, and Shingo Takage from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, and then Sting, Christ, we talked about it before. This man is living it up in AEW and he didn't take any chances to not do so this time he jumps off the stage onto the team of the young bucks and el fantasma what's going on with sting what's up what's up with him he's just going nuts i mean it's sad when that was the least scary of the options as opposed to (laughs) i thought they were going to have him rappel down from the rafters because that's what i thought too i was like oh no this is a bad idea (laughs) So I wasn't the only one. I'm thinking, please, no, you can, please no. don't do this. It's like, he is too old for this. And then he jumps off the stage. I'm, and I said, you know, <laughs> I guess that's the lesser of two evils, but that's, that's staying. He is just, like you said, having, having fun in AW. And this, um, honestly, this match was not bad. It was pretty, it was pretty good. Um, sometimes I had seen someone mention this on Twitter too. It kind of seemed like, Aside from staying, no selling, like the super kicks, I was like funny, and that's just that sting for you. But it seemed like a lot of people were getting up way too quick from like those big moves. Uh huh. And that was a little odd. Um, I get you want to get your spots in and everything, but you have to sell it that it at least hurt a little bit. That's true. You're right. Yeah. That that could be like I feel like the young bucks are are victims to that because of yeah. of the way they've presented themselves. You know, as a team that's kind of high spot, high spot, high spot, boom, boom, boom. But I will say, credit to to the Young Bucks, they're learning how to adapt and kind of work with their work with the other teams that are in the match rather than just do the the typical high spot stuff. They're working. Yeah. They're learning how to change pace. Tell story. Yeah. Tell story. Adapt to their uh, opponents. So I do have to give them credit, but I I do see where what you're saying. There was a little bit of there could have been a little bit more selling uh, yeah. on the, on their part. And obviously the sting stuff was entertaining, but yeah, that does make sense. Other than that though, it was still a really good match as you would expect with people in this match. Like you, you always expect Darby and staying in the young bucks to have a good match and El Fantasmo. You expect all of them to do good. So that wasn't surprising. Right. Um, as far as the poll, Shingo hits the last dragon on El Fantasmo gets the win for his team. Again, it's a very entertaining match. It's a Young Bucks match, so obviously it's got a little bit of entertainment in it. Ask yeah. you guys what you thought on Twitter. And this one also gets four flame emojis with 52% of the votes, giving it four flames. So you guys are definitely enjoying the show um, to this point, which is pretty cool because this is uh, this is a show that that's very... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, very ambitious, you yeah. know? Yeah, because we we talked about it before. Like this show is kind of like for a niche audience. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be like a hardcore wrestling fan, or at least love wrestling enough to say, "Hey, I I want to check this out." And so far, people are enjoying this. And there was votes coming in for these polls that I'm pretty surprised that um, the numbers that came in. So I'm pretty appreciative. And then we move on to the show, and then we have Thunder Rosa 
taking on Tony Storm for the AEW Women's Championship. What do you think of the match? Honestly, and we, once again, we kind of talked about it when we were doing the predictions that this had a very weird buildup because Mm -hmm. they weren't really doing a lot of talking. It was a bunch of making the saves for one another and then somebody holds on to the title belt and they just stare at each other. That's kind of how it was. And there was really no other buildup other than that. Um, Mm -hmm. So once again, about two title defenses now in a row, Thunder Rosa and her challenger have had to um, kind of start from the ground up again of getting people excited. And honestly, this match was pretty good. It Mm -hmm. really was not bad. Um, Not, I mean, a little clunky in some spots, but it didn't like throw off the pacing of the match. Um, Mm -hmm. The ending was weird. It was so weird. <laughs> I just don't get like you. I mean, I get that Dustin Rhodes is one of Thunder Rose's like mentors, so I get that. But then just to hit one of his spinning suplexes and win the match, that's it. Like, was Tony actually hurt? Because there was there was one or two spots where I thought she actually screwed her shoulder up. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that might have been the case, but they weren't really making it seem like it was a problem. I mean, that one, I don't even remember what, it was some type of driver the Thunder Rosa hit her with. I honestly thought she spiked her because it looked pretty gnarly. So I thought maybe that was a problem, but it wasn't clearly. Um, but yeah, despite the weird ending, it was a really, really good match. And Thunder Rosa, you have to give her credit. With As weird as her, her reign has been, she still knows how to put on good matches. Same with Tony mm-hmm. Storm. Yeah. I feel like uh, Tony Storm uh, has, has found her comfortable spot with AEW, which is good to hear. Um, that's why this match went so well. I feel like I feel like it could have went a little bit longer. Yeah. And like you said, there was no climax to the. There was like no climax feel to the finish. It just kind of happened. Yeah, that's yeah, and it it was so, it was very weird timing because mm-hmm. um, I was talking to my mom on the phone while the match was going on because. I was still trying to like hype myself up that, oh, maybe King Coda was going to show up and I'm going to keep saying it until she shows up or she shows up <laughs> somewhere else. But at some point, maybe it'll happen. And so I'm like, okay, maybe maybe tonight's the night. I mean, maybe it's ridiculous, but it'll still happen. And I can say, I told you so. And the computer died because oh, I, no. yeah, it was my own fault. I was like, yeah, the laptop will last until the end of the show. And it did not last until the end of the show. It lasted from the buy-in until right towards the end of that match. And so I had to like hurry up and like throw the charger on and plug it back in and everything was fine, but the match was already over. And Mm -hmm. so I had to go back and watch it. And just that last like minute, it was, it was just weird. It just seemed like another sequence, not this is clearly the ending because you Mm -hmm. have Thunder Rosa trying to kick Tony storm. Tony catches her. She tries to reverse the reversal and then Thunder Rosa, Thunder Rosa catches her and hits that suplex, and that's it. It was just, it was just weird. It could have been a better ending, but still a really good match. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, but like, you, like you said, it felt like the ending was a little anticlimactic, you know, and it just yeah. kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, but again, Thunder Rosa retains her AEW Women's Championship. Asked you guys what you thought of this match, and on Twitter, this one was tied for three flames and two flames, with twenty-seven percent of the votes coming in for those. Uh, so you guys. It was kind of in the middle, you know, it was kind of, it yeah. was good, but it wasn't great. It could have been a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. And then moving on, uh, this was probably 
the most entertaining match of the night for me, I think, mm -hmm. because it kind of surprised a lot of people uh, yes. how entertaining this match could be. But I'm talking about Orange Cassidy taking on Will Ospreay for the IWGP United States title. Um, and this match came in with a lot of, I don't want to say fanfare, but it was definitely polarizing. Because everybody yeah. wanted to see a dream match with Will Ospreay, who's no doubt one of the best in on the planet. So everybody wanted him to take on a big name opponent. And then they get Orange Cassidy, which is definitely uh, not a bad thing. Orange Cassidy yeah. is a great wrestler and he's very entertaining. I think, I think what it is, is that like he, like what we say about Eddie Kingston uh, mm -hmm. is complete opposite of Orange Cassidy where Orange Cassidy is playing a character who's just like yeah. lackadaisical, doesn't really care about anything and just goes out there and has fun and and when he when he wants to wrestle, when he wants to turn it on, he'll turn it on. Um so he's kind of like the opposite in that where he, where he where he's playing a character. Mm -hmm. And I think people um some people like it, some people don't, you know? Yeah, and it surprised me how much it surprised other people because Everyone knew how good his match with Pac was at Revolution a few years ago, so I'm not entirely sure why they didn't they didn't expect that again. Mm -hmm. Except this was even better, I think, than his match with Pac at Revolution. This match was so much fun to watch, especially like the like towards the end of the match. Mm -hmm. when there were so many moments where you're like, okay, Orange is definitely losing. That's got to be it. But he kept reversing. He kept kicking out, and some of those sequences were just insane. But that's what we expect because we know how good Orange is. And like you said, yeah, he plays his like lackadaisical go with the flow kind of character, but he can really wrestle kind of like Danhausen. He's got that quirky character, but we've seen how good of a wrestler he actually is. And mm -hmm. when he has moments to show it, it proves that, yeah, he's more than just a character and Orange is also more than just a character. Yeah, definitely. And uh, again, this, I think this match surprised everyone. But yeah. man, what a match it was! It was just they—they they were flowing together. The pace was great. They, there was no clunkiness, no awkward spots. They were they—the chemistry was just off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. I—it was easily one of the best matches of the night for me. Yeah, I have to agree. I asked you guys what you thought on Twitter of the match, and this, no surprise, 76% of the votes that came in for this match gave it four flame emojis. No surprise there. Uh, it was probably one of the best matches of the night. Yeah, absolutely agree. All right, and then next up was a match that everybody was looking forward to because it was one of those where you could throw in a really good surprise, and, of course, AEW did not disappoint Zack Sabre Jr. was originally scheduled to take on Brian Danielson, but because Brian Danielson uh, was injured, he could not compete at Forbidden Door or Blood and Guts, so he had his own replacement, a new member of the Blackpool Combat Club, and that person is none other than Claudio Castagnoli. We all knew that it could it was pretty much a lock to be Claudio, mm -hmm. but still, the, the response that he got when he came out was out of this world. Yeah, that... That reaction from the crowd was, I think, without a doubt, the biggest reaction of the night. And mm -hmm. why not? Because we hadn't heard from him since WWE released him. And it was just, it was really, I wouldn't say to a degree, like a super tightly kept secret, because obviously we all kind of expect it to be him. But mm -hmm. we weren't entirely sure because he never said anything and no one really 
knew what he was doing because he hadn't had any appearances since he got released. So he's just mm-hmm. staying quiet. But that match, Jesus, we knew it was going to be good. And that absolutely did not disappoint. And th- the ending almost threw me for a loop right away. <laughs> and like, right when Claudio hits him with that uppercut and then goes right into the neutralizer, I said, we are not doing this, are we? We're really not <laughs> going to do this. Because that would have been the ultimate like punch in the face if everybody expected this like 15 to 20 minute technical masterclass and it literally ended with two moves. Yeah. I got kind of nervous myself, but I'm glad it didn't happen that way. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't either, but there's really not much you can say because we knew what we were getting and we got it and more and it didn't disappoint easily. I think my best like favorite match of the night really close second would be um, orange and uh, Osprey, but this one was easily the best because we knew it was going to be the best. We said a million times, it didn't matter who you were going to throw in there. It was a Zack Sabre Jr. match. So we knew it was going to be great. And my God, was it uh it was very, very good. Yes, it was definitely. I asked you guys what you thought on Twitter of the match and out of the votes that came in for this match, 78% gave it four flame emojis. Uh-huh. So you guys, Definitely love this one. No doubt. It, I mean, Claudio is such a special uh, talent, you know, that it it almost is like you have to go out and get Claudio if he's available. You know, because we yep. talk about a lot about AEW kind of hoarding a lot of people. Uh, but when someone like Claudio is on the table, you got to kind of take it, you know? Yeah, exactly. All right. So moving on. For the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, we had Jay White defending the title against Hangman Page, Kazuchika Okada, and Adam Cole. Now, this one was good up until the very end, which was a little yeah. weird. Um, yeah. I don't know what happened, but it looked like Adam Cole got injured on the very end, and uh, Jay White took advantage. And there was kind of similar to Thunder Rosa, Tony Storm. There was no climactic build-up to the very end. The match was good up until that point. It was just kind of weird where, you know, Jay White goes for the pin and it's one, two, three, and the match is over. Yeah, and well, and we did cat, we did call it. Jay White kind of like snuck in and stole right. the win. So stole the win, yeah. There's that, but I don't know what happened. Um, it was just... I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to recall the moment where I thought Adam could have gotten hurt, but it almost seemed like when Jay White pinned him, it looked like he wanted to kick out, but he almost couldn't get his shoulder up. Right. It was just like this very like weak, like roll to the side. So I think he may have like screwed his shoulder up. And I think the, I think the uh, doctors were sh- like attending to him after the match, if I remember correctly. And they kind of had to talk about it on commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was just really weird, which is a shame because the match itself was really not bad. It was really, really good. But that ending. Yeah. Just, that yeah. Ending, it, it was kind of, it was kind of, you know, surprising because again, like when you get these multi-man matches, similar to like the, the fatal four way for the all Atlantic championship, you know, it can get kind of chaotic, but yeah. these, all four of these guys kind of flowed and everybody got their time to shine which is very yes. important in these multi-man matches. You want to showcase everyone, just not a select few. Um, but again, it was just kind of hampered by the end. But again, it was still a good match. Let me see what the polls say for this match. Um, like we said, Jay White steals a victory 
pinning Adam Cole, retaining the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Out of all the matches, all the votes that came in for this one, 39% gave it three flame emojis. So I feel like the, the ending had a lot to do to take away from that four flame emoji vote. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, great match. Just a very, like I said, just a very odd ending. Yeah, definitely odd ending. But then we get to the main event for the AEW Interim World Heavyweight Championship. John Moxley will be taking on New Japan's Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace. Now, I didn't I kept my expectations for this match kind of kind of low mm-hmm. because like I said on the predictions episode, Hiroshi Tanahashi, as great as he is, he's one of the best on the planet. He's he's coming in kind of like with a broken body. So he has yeah. to wrestle at a certain pace. Mm-hmm. And I I was kind of wondering how is this match going to go? Who's going to dictate the pace? Is it going to be uh, is it going to be Tanahashi hitting his moves and that being it or is it going to be more brawling style? Mm-hmm. I was surprised John Moxley figured out a way to get busted open. That <laughs> my, my poor mom joked she said is is it in his contract that in every other match like basically every other match he has he's supposed to bleed um <laughs> it's sad that you would think your first reaction is oh wow he's bleeding that that's not good it's sad that mm-hmm. my reaction was again <laughs> are we, are we literally <laughs> again i think it was kind of the hard way though too i don't think he actually meant to bleed because i think that that like headbutt when those two kind of like hit each other in the head it kind of that would make that made sense, but it's just like, god damn, guys, it's like it's not even blood and guts. Can you wait <laughs> a few days? But, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, uh, but I was surprised. Tanahashi definitely reminded me of the Tanahashi of old, yeah. uh, you know, pulling out these wins and, uh, you know, like he used to, but, um, you know, it was, it was certainly a clash of styles, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, um, yeah. You know, they were trading strikes and it was uh, just kind of like, what's the words I'm looking for? How to explain it? It it was competitive. It was a competitive match, but it was kind of all over the place because it was kind of a contrast in styles. Yeah. And I think, I think it took the crowd a little bit to get into it too, because they were just so worn out from the last, like, oh, I don't know, two and a half hours of (laughs) pay-per-view they just watched, not even including the buy-in. So I'm glad that they were still able to get into it, though, at the end. They weren't just completely just dead in the water. But, yeah, it was competitive. Um, I don't think it was as good as it could have been. Maybe for those exact same reasons. Maybe it's because the crowd was just not into it, so they couldn't really get into it. Maybe, like you said, kind mm-hmm. of the clash of styles. But they've had better matches before. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. not their best, but I still say it was pretty good. And we, we knew Moxley was going to win. But... The ending was just not the ending of the match per se. Like after what happened after was kind of why did we have to do that? That's more. I mean, I get it. They had to sell up the blood and guts match on Dynamite, but this is something you kind of do on Dynamite or Rampage. You don't really do this at the end of a pay per view. Yeah, it yeah. Weird. It was. It, it was definitely weird. It was. It felt like one of those things where they were kind of experimenting. Yeah, and something. the crowd was not into it at all. <laughs> yeah, they were they, not. It's it's hard to get hyped up for a a show ending brawl after being on you know going crazy for three three and a half hours you know exactly so so I could kind of understand why the crowd was not as 
amped up. They were still pretty amped up because that, like I said in the beginning, the the one thing about AEW crowds is like they're they're a different sort of animal. They're they're yeah. amped up usually all the time. It's just this wasn't their usual amped up. Like I think AEW, everybody that put this together were expecting uh uh like a holy shit moment. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't really happen. So like that's you know it happens. Those yeah. things happen. Yeah. But like you said, um, you know, after the match, after Moxley won the match with the paradigm shift, they had a nice moment of respect that was kind of spoiled by the Jericho Appreciation Society. And then you have this massive brawl that happens and then everybody gets amped up when Claudio Castagnoli comes out to join the join the fight. Um, and then that's how the show ended. But uh, as far as the match, uh, for the votes that came in for this match, 50% gave it four flame emoji. So I'm really happy with that. Cause like I said, I kept my expectations a little low mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised how they actually pulled that last match off. Yeah. You weren't disappointed to say the least. Definitely not. So I asked you guys what you thought of, uh, forbidden door as a whole and what you gave it. Obviously, uh, this was a no brainer. The final grade for this one, 69% of the votes that came in gave it four flames. Like I said, a very ambitious endeavor to do a promotional show, a cross-promotion show, especially with some a juggernaut like New Japan coming from a totally different country. To pull this off uh, was a massive success, so congratulations to both parties involved. Yeah, it, was, it really was overall a very good pay-per-view. Um, I really can't remember a single match on that card that I thought was not even average just good they were all good it was i was expecting at least one or two to be like yeah okay that was all right it wasn't fantastic but no they were all pretty good and despite you know some clunky endings and just you know some moments here and there it was really really good i feel like the only i guess the only i guess you could say gripe would just be that maybe some of the outcomes were a little predictable but even then if that was what we were, if we were going to get predictable endings with just like quality matches like that, I really wasn't going to complain at all. Definitely not. I definitely see where you're coming from. And um, hopefully they can do this again. Um, Hopefully there's a, this was since this was such a success that they can do a forbidden door two or something like that down the road. I can hope so. I feel like they would have to now because it really was a massive success and, Maybe I think they even hinted at maybe it could happen in Japan. That would be wild. Yeah, that would be nuts. I would definitely stay up to watch that because right. this show this show is actually pretty good. So yeah. um now I didn't want to spend too much time talking about this. Definitely not the entire show, but I definitely wanted to talk about the blood and guts match. Yes. Uh just because it was just completely just maddening. Completely wild match where you had People hanging from the, the 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 rafter part of the cage. You know, it definitely lived up to its name, Blood and Guts. And it feels like Claudio Castagnoli is definitely going to fit in well, not only with the Blackpool Combat Club, but AEW as a whole. Yes, yes, I agree. This The match definitely lived up to its name. There was <laughs> a lot of... I mean, you can't have a match called Blood and Guts, which I thought was hilarious. I don't remember which one of the announcers said something to the degree of oh there isn't any any match like it in wrestling i said except war games because it's literally what it is just (laughs) more blood but um yeah it was 
oh, it was brutal. It was very bloody. Um, didn't take long for the for the blood uh, to start pouring out everywhere. Well, um, not when you have John Moxley chasing people down with a fork. So no, not not at all. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel bad for uh, Santana because boy, that did not look good at all. Yeah, what um, happened with him? Did he like blow out his knee or um, something? It was a really awkward like. I'm trying to remember how I could describe. He kind of went for a urinage, but then his leg kind of bent in on itself a little bit. It wasn't one uh, of those. It wasn't one of those where I'm like I couldn't watch it because it was disgusting. Like his knee went where it shouldn't have. It almost looked like it kind of just got stuck and mm. just kind of supposed to land on a front like forward, but it kind of went to the side a little bit. But um, if I remember hearing correctly, I think cage side seats somewhere it said that they wouldn't have been surprised if he tore multiple ligaments in his knee. Jesus, really? Yeah, it was. Um, and then when I watched it, it was almost one of those where you could see him being hurt, but you wouldn't have thought that that was going to be the amount of damage it was because mm-hmm. we've seen a lot worse where it's like, yeah, they completely screwed their knee. Like, like uh, Nixon Newell during the Mayan classic, you knew right. that was bad, but his, yeah, it was just a, just awkward. I don't think it was really anybody's fault. I think it was just kind of an accident. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. And then after that, it was just again, blood and literally blood and guts everywhere. Um, <laughs> I love the part when Eddie finally came in at the end, <laughs> he just gets in the cage and he whacks the one guy with the kendo stick and then he whacks the other one. And he's just like knocking everybody over just to get to Jericho. Yeah. Yeah. He so really funny. wanted a piece of Jericho. I feel yeah. like that's, as much as I dislike Jericho, um, to be able to elevate someone like Eddie Kingston to a feud that you actually want to see multiple matches of Jericho versus Kingston yeah. and you want to see some sort of blow off is pretty cool. Well, and then Eddie murdered somebody on live television, throwing Sammy Guevara over the uh, over the cage <laughs> under the table, and he's just laughing about it because that's, that's just my that's favorite Eddie. part. Is yeah, he just started laughing. He didn't even right? just like didn't even go into a trance or nothing. He just started <laughs> laughing. As as Eddie, as I guess any normal person, I suppose would if you threw somebody off a cage, you know, no big deal. But that's just that's just Eddie. Um, we got to see Ruby Soho for a few minutes, so that made me happy. Um, even though Taz could not seem to remember what her name was. Um, <laughs> like you've she's been here since September, and now all of a sudden you're forgetting it's not Ruby Riot anymore. But <laughs> okay, whatever, just happy to see Ruby. Um, so that was fun. Um, and then that ending, I honestly really really like that ending because they were already hinting at the fact that clearly claudio and eddie do not like each other there's a lot of history Mm. between the two of them yeah and so i really liked how eddie wanted jericho to tap out but claudio ended up getting um eh, who was it the tap out which one was it um it was it wasn't the parker yeah it was i think i think it was angelo parker um yeah i'm trying to now i'm trying to remember myself um it was now it was mattered it was mattered it was the other one um but either way the fact that eddie thought he won when in reality claudio was the one that won and you could kind of tell there was that like confusion at the end when claudio's just happy like hey dude we won and eddie's like wait a minute i didn't he didn't tap and it's like yeah because he didn't tap it was it was claudio that tapped out mattered and so (laughs) i thought that was rather interesting i think that means sooner rather than later we're going to get another Claudio and Eddie match, and I'm all for oh, that. I am too, but see, because I don't – from what I remember, 
the issue was they were in the middle of a really, really big feud in Chikara, mm-hmm. but then Claudio got signed. Uh, and, and Claudio left. And Eddie doesn't S- like that. Eddie didn't like that. Obviously, it messes with his money because he's still in the Indies. Yeah. You know? So yeah. he's like, when AEW started up and everybody was like, oh, well, now this person can leave WWE and go to AEW. Yeah. Eddie was like, Claudio doesn't have the balls to come to AEW. Uh-huh. Well, guess what? <laughs> now he does. But now it's, it adds a whole other wrinkle into it because now is Eddie going to keep trying to go after Jericho to finally get like his moment to embarrass him? Or is he going to try to go after Claudio or is it just, he's going to try to go after both of them. And clearly that's not going to work. Um, yeah. So it's kind of exciting because it kind of gets you a little excited to see, okay, is he going to, is he again going to go after Jericho? Is he going to go after Claudio? Try to go after both. I <coughs> make sure want to see what happens. Yeah, definitely. Um, but as far as blood and guts goes, this was, like you said, it lived up to the name Blood and Guts. It yeah. was a great match. Blackpool Combat Club, Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz ended up getting the win over the Jericho Appreciation Society. So I felt like it was a smart move because the way the Jericho Appreciation Society has been going, and Jericho in itself, you almost figure like Jericho, they pick up the win. You know? <sighs> Thank but God I'm, they did Yeah, I'm glad that they, they sent the crowd home happy. Yeah, exactly, because especially since Jericho and his team already won at uh, Forbidden Door, it was glad to see <coughs> the good guys finally win because God knows they needed it, but I feel like it's not all going to be uh, sunshine and rainbows with the good guys from now on because obviously the combat club's going to go off and do whatever they're going to do, but now you got to deal with Eddie because Eddie's not going to appreciate um, the ending a whole lot. No, I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen. Uh, excuse me. Um, we, if there's going to be any sort of explanation mm-hmm. as to like the ending of Blood and Guts with the yeah. tap out and things like that. But yeah, all we can do is uh, wait and see. Now, in terms of uh, John Moxley, I always wanted. I also wanted to touch on the fact that we have a new contender for the mm-hmm. AEW heavyweight championship we had a what they called the royal rampage on rampage which is yeah. basically like a royal rumble yeah, in two it, ranks it really was it was i i kind of liked how they did it where you still had the two mat like the two rings from blood and guts but you had one half of the battle royal going in one and then one half on the other and then the last standing on both going and just you're the last two standing figure out who it's going to be great um it was it wasn't honestly bad i liked the little format it like shook things up it was fresh it was something we hadn't seen before obviously um a lot of fun a lot of uh moments i i like that i like the ending the ending was my favorite part that elimination was so fun just just brody choking darby out making him pass out in his in his arms basically and just flopping him on the floor like a fish like a dead fish that's brody for you yeah, it was uh, definitely a way to get a message across. Yeah, and I liked how they really didn't, as soon as Brody came in, they didn't immediately make him like, oh, he's absolutely going to be the one that's going to win. They didn't really make a big fanfare out of him coming in. I don't uh-huh. know if you noticed that too, where it wasn't like, no, you really need to pay attention. He didn't come in and just start wrecking house, basically. It wasn't right. throwing people over left and right. He was not like, I mean, obviously not quiet, because a guy like him can't really be quiet, but he also wasn't. <laughs> He also wasn't 
the obvious choice to win and it just so happened he was the last one in it and i'm okay with it i i mean we know he's not gonna win um sucks that he's gonna lose but it's just nice to see more of the house of black get moments like that um hopefully that just leads to bigger opportunities for him down the line hopefully again the trio's titles or something else that brings gold to the house of black but yeah but brody is really really good so i expect this to be I expect this to be a very brutal match on Wednesday. Yeah, I feel like uh, we're going to get more blood. I think John Moxley might uh, be busted open again. Um, oh, you know, I just think it's cool. Like someone like Brody, Brody King is getting an opportunity, mm-hmm. even being in a stable like the House of Black, where he yes. is, isn't the leader of the House of Black, um, but he's getting a moment to shine, you know, like, who could say, like, he may not win tonight, but it may be a showing that can prove that he can be a big-time player down the road. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is going to be a really big moment for Brody, even when, I mean, it's almost like even when he does lose, because we know he's going to lose, but I still think he's going to have a really good showing. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's our conclusion to AEW's coverage of Forbidden Door. Um, Like I said, a great show. Hopefully there's another Forbidden Door down the line. Forbidden Door 2, I think, will be great. Um, and it, it's great that they figured out a way to bring the wrestling world together. Yes, exactly. And like you said, hopefully sooner rather than later, we get to see that again. Yeah, definitely. Now we move on to WWE and last night was the money in the bank pay-per-view. <laughs> I heard that sigh. What was that sigh for? <sighs> well, I did have to, I had to watch it again before we, uh, went on the air today because i wanted to be a little because i didn't really get to see a whole lot of it um mm-hmm. we were a little busy yesterday so i was only seeing bits and pieces of it on twitter and um yeah i uh i watched it and uh it, it was a show <laughs> it was a pay-per-view um yes it was yeah that's uh yeah <laughs> that's all i'll say before when we'll get into the matches obviously but yeah it was um not the best I don't think anyway. I I don't know. Like I can't say if it wasn't it wasn't bad. Um, it was average. But, yeah, it felt very average. It felt like a, it felt like a Monday Night Raw. I was without bored. yeah without the promos. Yeah, that was literally that was the easiest way I could put it. Like right at, after the especially after the ending of the main event, I. Looked <laughs> at my parents and said, "I don't know why we watched this because now I'm bored and now I have to go do a paper like a show, talking about this pay per view and I'm bored and I feel like I want to take a nap." <laughs> it just well, not, nothing really grabbed your attention, huh? I mean, a few things did, but even then, there were the good moments had <sighs> they were bittersweet to me. I think we'll get into it more when we get into the actual matches. Obviously, I think you know what I'm talking about, but. There were some good spots. Don't get me wrong. A couple of the matches were good. It was just those good matches could not really. Uh, they couldn't bring the energy up for me about this pay-per-view. Ah, gotcha. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so why don't we get into the matches? First up was the women's money in the bank ladder match. Uh, for me, I was kind of looking for more, more chaos, I guess you could yeah. say, mm-hmm. in the match. But I guess that's just... I don't know if I should expect that from the from the from the women's division. 
Yeah. Like, to have that more chaos and carnage in, in a ladder match. I mean, they tried to, Raquel Rodriguez tried to do some spots where, uh, mm-hmm. you know, she was kind of using the ladder and things, but it, it didn't deliver on the carnage. But I think the reason most people were happy with this match, according to the match polls on Twitter, is because of the outcome. Um, something that we have been clamoring for for, for months now. Screaming for, yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel it's it's funny that you mentioned there really wasn't a lot of chaos. I think the problem was that the closest thing that came to chaos were several moments that should not have happened the way they did. <laughs> um, for starters, when... Well, let's see. I'm not going to remember what in, exactly in what order these went in so i'm just gonna name off by the time i remember them uh shotzi trying to do the senton onto the ladder and she smacked the back of her head off the ladder and she started bleeding yeah. that was not supposed to happen um shotzi and alexa crashing onto the ladder that shouldn't have been there um that looked a little painful um and, and becky lynch's leg drop onto oscar off the ladder that was uh I don't know what happened there. I don't know if she put the ladder too close to Asuka's ladder or she jumped too far. She like barely caught her with like her butt and that was it. Like the ladder didn't break under Asuka because she didn't hit her flush. She just kind of like slid off her. And I feel like the announced team made a very good point there. It's almost like you couldn't tell who got the worst of that. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, it was just, it was just, uh, it was, a little disjointed, a little sloppy. I mean, obviously, um, just listing off those moments there. Um, and it was blatantly obvious from the very beginning that they had to pipe the crowd noise in because that crowd did not look into it at all in the beginning. They had to kind of work their way into it. But at the very end, we we have been screaming about this happening for God knows how long. Didn't think it was actually going to happen because we just have been fooled so many times. But to see Liv Morgan finally get that opportunity, it's like, finally. Finally. It was like, only a matter of time. And it's like, please don't screw this up because WWE is very good at doing stuff like that. And obviously we'll get to that later. But it's just glad to see her finally get it because you looked at the other women in the match and there really wasn't anybody that needed it more than she did. Mm. Becky sure as hell didn't need it. Um, I mean, Alexa, maybe, but yeah, Lacey, absolutely not. Raquel, absolutely not. Oscar, not really. And then Shotzi, I mean, Shotzi would have been a fun surprise, I think. But I think, and it's surprising because we very rarely say this nowadays, the right person won that match. Liv Morgan absolutely had to win that. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the right person won the match. Um, I was just happy that she ended up winning. I feel like with the women though, for the past couple of years, the there's no there's no sort of drama in terms of winning the briefcase. They just kind of climb the ladder, grab the briefcase, and win it. I felt like there needed to be just a little bit more drama in terms of getting the briefcase. Yeah, I mean, I guess I did like that. It was Becky that Liv kind of screwed out of winning the briefcase because um, it was kind of it was kind of the reverse because Becky kind of screwed Liv Morgan over a couple times to get like a shot at the championship. So it was nice to see, you know, Liv get her payback, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, yeah, it could have been a little more dramatic. Um, at le- hey, it was better than last year's. 
Yeah. When everybody's <laughs> just fighting and Nikki Aces just crawls up and just takes it. So yeah, I'm glad that they can do that again. But yeah, um, could have been a little more dramatic. I agree. But other than that, no, I was I was just happy to see Liv finally win the big moment because God knows she's earned it for the pain she has put her. It's certainly been put through the last, oh, I don't know, two years. Well, I asked you guys what you thought of the match on Twitter, and this one's very surprising. All the votes came in. Four flame emojis. 69% of the votes gave four flame emojis. So you guys actually liked uh, the match, which is very surprising. Jeffrey yeah. Merchant says this. I hope that will. This is kind of funny. I'm reading this comment now from Jeffrey uh-huh. on, on Twitter, and he's talking about he's hoping that it leads to a long and entertaining reign for Miss Money in the Bank, but we'll get to that a little bit later how yeah. that just kind of went out the window mm-hmm. um yeah i i feel like i feel like i would have given it maybe two and a half three flames mm-hmm. i feel like definitely obviously four flames for the winner but overall i think it was just way too disjointed and sloppy in some places to be a four flame i'll say two and a half three flames at least for me i I gotta agree with you i gotta agree with you it didn't it didn't blow my socks off you know it didn't no it did not it didn't get me to go wow that was that was a crazy match that was you know it wasn't bad but it wasn't anything sort of jump out of your seat go crazy for you know yes exactly all right so moving on we have a united states championship match between Bobby Lashley taking on the champion theory. And this one actually was one of the ones that I kept my expectations low for. And yeah. again, I was pleasantly surprised how well it went. Yeah, it really wasn't bad. It was very hard hitting to say the least. Um, as you could tell by poor Bobby's uh, bloody mouth at the end of it, but yeah, it really wasn't, it really wasn't a disappointment of a match. Honestly, mm-hmm. it was pretty, it was pretty decent. I'd say um, didn't really expect the outcome. At least I didn't, but uh, not going to complain about it either because I feel like Bobby Lashley having the U.S. title could definitely um, elevate the title a little bit, and I'm not going to complain. Yeah, that's weird because like you wouldn't expect someone like Bobby Lashley to be as over as he is because he's yeah. definitely over with the crowd. Yeah, that can, and they even talked about it on commentary. They said, oh, he and as of late, he's really you know, grown to appreciate the WWE universe. And yeah, it's the truth. Cause they were, they were cheering hard for him. And yeah, I don't really know why. Maybe just, maybe they just wanted to, I mean, that's who knows, but yeah, if we would have sat here, Oh, I don't know, like 20 episodes ago and said, yeah, Bobby Lashley is probably going to be the biggest baby face on the raw roster right now. We would have, we would have laughed and said we were being ridiculous, but <laughs> definitely not now. No, no. I asked you guys what you thought of the match on Twitter, and uh, out of all the votes that came in, forty-seven percent gave it three flame emojis. Uh, our good friend Mike Simpson on Twitter said, "Man, that crowd was all in on Bobby, better than I was expecting." Jeffrey said it was a good match, not great, but good. Yeah. And Joe said he thought it was a good match. So, um, like I said, if you kept your expectations low, this one definitely pleasantly surprised you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that one. All right, so moving on. Uh, this match, ooh, I, I don't know what to say about this match. This one was uh, very interesting. It was for the yeah. Raw Women's Championship. It was Bianca Belair defending her title against Carmella, 
who won a fatal five-way match because Rhea Ripley uh, was put on the injured list. So she could not compete. She was not medically cleared. So yeah. they had a fatal five-way, and Carmella ended up winning it, which was definitely surprising in itself. Odd. Yeah, I want to know. I, I don't know if it's someone, like, maybe they have – I'm not saying Carmella is bad. She's yeah. not bad. She's a good heel. Yeah, but, she is. But I was just surprised to see her in that spot. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess in hindsight, you kind of see how the plans shaped out for Money in the Bank. And then it kind of makes sense as to why she was there. Because the one person I feel like we would have wanted to be in that match kind of had her own moment, I suppose. But um, that's the weird thing. This match wasn't really bad. It was just, ah, I don't know, just the, kind of there. Yeah, it didn't have anything really Uneventful. To, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't anything in my notes to make me go, wow, this really stood out in the match. Um, this was a, a spot in the match to look forward to or to watch out for or anything like that. It just kind of happened. Yeah, exactly. It was just... I feel like it was funnier listening to Corey on commentary, honestly, than the actual match. Like, when he said, if Carmella wins, we're going to go... We might renew our wedding vows. Triple H told me about a romantic spot here. And I'm like, yeah, wow, I, I know that. what you're talking about there. Um, Yeah, that was a fun spot. So I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah, other than that, it's... Like you said, I... I literally just watched this match like two hours ago and I don't really remember anything from it because it just wasn't, um, nothing knocked my socks off to say the yeah. least. I totally know what you mean. I asked you guys what you thought on Twitter of the match and all the, all the votes that came in two flames, 44% gave it two flame emojis. And, uh, that lets you know all mm. about that match. I, I don't know. I think they're going to keep this going because after the match, Carmella, Beats uh, Bianca Belair down. So uh, yeah. that's, you know, uh, indication that they could be extending this feud. And hopefully it gets better than what they showed on Money in the Bank. Uh, yeah, it was it was very interesting the way they did that. Because they kind of, I mean, it almost was kind of the perfect blueprint for a cash-in. And it didn't happen. So... It was rather interesting, but yeah, it's. I have a feeling we'll probably deal with that again, especially since they probably, I would assume, if they're going to have Carmella go at her again, that means Rhea Ripley isn't cleared yet. Yeah, it doesn't look so. Which is a shame, because mm -hmm. uh, that makes me sad as a Rhea Ripley fan, but hopefully sooner rather wonder, than later. But I wonder what know. it was. It was, was it like a concussion sort I, of deal? I think it had to have been, because she said somebody, I don't know, there was some troll trying to go at her on, I don't remember what, it was like Instagram or Twitter, and she said something about a brain injury. So one would assume it was uh, had to do with a concussion. I feel like it had to do with uh, that last match she was in, where she kind of got kicked in the teeth. She kind of had to like wear the like braces or something to make her, her teeth oh. were kind of in place. So that she probably did get a concussion from that, I'd assume. But and you don't want to mess with concussions at all. Um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully she's back sooner rather than later because the the division needs somebody like Rhea Ripley. Yeah, it definitely. It needs, not only does it need Rhea Ripley, it just needs bodies in general. Yeah, yeah at know? this point, yeah. <laughs> it just needs bodies in general. Uh, next up on the card, uh, once I get my notes ready, uh, is the well, most, probably the my most anticipated match because I knew yep. this match was going to deliver. Yes. It was for the Unified WWE Tag Team Championships. It was the Usos defending their titles against the Street Profits 
I knew this match was just going to deliver something special, uh, and they did not disappoint. I think it's safe to say this was easily match of the night. Without oh, easy, a doubt. without a doubt. And it was that last half of that match, all those near falls, all that, like, faking us out with the hot tag, thinking, okay, the Street Profits are finally going to win, and then it just goes into all these near falls on both sides. It just, it had you on the edge of your seat up until the very end. And I, <laughs> I'm not going to say I called the ending, but I remember the Uso, Usos pinned uh, Ford, and I'm, kind of just sitting there and I had apparently I had this look on my face because my mom's like what and I said this something doesn't seem right it just seemed very weird to me um I'm like okay let's wait for the replay and then they did like the regular replay and she said what looked different about that I said it's something I can't put my finger on it why it just didn't seem normal to me and then they showed the other angle of it and lo and behold Ford's shoulder was up the entire time because it was very odd because um it was almost like i don't remember if it was jimmy or jay that pinned him i think it was is it jimmy might have been might have it might have been jay we'll just say jay for the sake of it um it was almost like he had he like curled his shoulder up underneath forwards and like pulled his shoulder up so they have a gripe they really do have a gripe um Mm -hmm. so clearly we're gonna get this match again and i don't think anybody's gonna complain Um, I did find it interesting though, that the commentary team brought up, um, Caleb Braxton teasing back on SmackDown that, oh, Montez Ford and Angela Dawkins are kind of not really getting along right now. And they were just like hyping up Ford too, I noticed. So I have a very bad feeling that they might be breaking up the street profits at some point. Cause they don't say that just for the hell of it. They're saying it for a reason, especially WWE, because they're not very subtle about these things. They'll just keep beating us over the head with oh well you know they're they i don't know if they like each other i'm not really sure they'll Hmm. they kind of do that thing where if they're gonna break up they almost make it too obvious that they're not gonna break up and then they do Mm -hmm. they kind of overhype it a little bit it's not like AEW where they mention it once and then they kind of make you forget about it for a little bit so when it does happen you're like oh wait they told us about this or hinted at this weeks ago or months ago and now they're doing it WWE never gives it a moment to breathe, so mm. I'm not going to be surprised if they end up breaking up because they're going to beat us over the head with hints and, like, swerves and non-hints and whatever, which is a shame, but with the way Montez Ford's been wrestling lately, I guess I wouldn't be surprised because he's kind of established himself as kind of the star out of the two. And But, I mean, Angelo Dawkins is no slouch in his own right, you know? Yeah, and that's a shame, but they're just going to say that, oh, well, you know, Montez Ford's just, I don't know, in their eyes, better, which is kind of a shame, but you know how WWE is. Once they see a potential star in somebody in a team, they're going to ride him to the wheels fall off, and unfortunately, that might be the case. Wow, I hope not. I hope, I not. hope not, not either. Just, you, you just put a dark cloud over. <laughs> My bad, but... But on the bright side, the match was great. Like, we knew it was going to be. Like, we knew that match was going to be good. It's kind of like the New Day and the Usos. You put those two in a match, you know, those two teams in a match, you know they're going to have a great match. You put the Usos and the Street Profits and you know they were going to have a good match. They didn't disappoint. Clearly, they're going to have a rematch because the Street Profits certainly have a bit of an issue with that ending. Um, I liked... uh, 
I liked how they didn't bleep out the fact that Montez Ford basically said, why the fuck the match ends so quickly? <laughs> um, they missed that a little bit, but I didn't mind it. But they definitely have a, they definitely have a bit of a, an, a gripe, certainly. And I, uh, I will not complain if they have this match again. Most likely it's SummerSlam. So even bigger stage. Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, I asked you guys what you thought of the match on Twitter. No surprise here, 81% of the votes gave it four flame emojis. Kind of mm-hmm. weird that it's 81. I would figure it'd probably be more. I'm yeah. interested is in, this is weird, uh, but I'm interested in seeing how many stars this one got. If oh, yeah. This was, if this was one of those uh, five-star classics, hopefully that WWE pulled off. Which is weird because the the rest of the show, I mean, it's just blah. Yeah, it was just yeah. blah. It just yeah. happened, you know. But I this again, match, yeah. this match is um, was definitely the match of the night. Definitely, yes. you could put this on your match of the year uh, list because it was mm-hmm. that good. Yeah, absolutely. It was. It's not even close. How this was the best match of the night, which yeah. sadly wasn't saying much because the rest of the matches were kind of they just paled in comparison to that one Mm -hmm. for sure yeah well moving on we had ronda rousey defending the smackdown women's championship against natalia this match left a lot to be desired but i thought down the stretch towards the ending of the match it was pretty good where they were doing the reversals of the sharpshooter and then ronda rousey put the sharpshooter on natalia did the little hbk pose i thought that was pretty neat um but I, i i think this could have been the fact that it was where it was on the card after the tag team match. I got a lot of fanfare and yeah. got people out of their seat. Maybe this one kind of got like the death spot, you know? Yeah. And if it was any other match, I think it wouldn't have been as bad. I think just the problem is, is that no one's really buying into Ronda this time around. Um, yeah. I feel like the, the shiny new toy, feeling is kind of worn off because it's just sad that it almost seemed like Natty couldn't even really make this an above average match, which is kind of sad considering of how consistently good Natty is. It's just, I don't know if it was just me, but it seemed like halfway through that match, they were both kind of blown up already. They were both like, like gassed. Yes. They both looked very gassed and it was just, um, yeah, it's just, I, I'm not really buying it with Rhonda anymore, which is a shame because I didn't really mind her when she burst on the scene the first time, but it's like this time around, it was almost what the hell happened. I, I still don't understand how someone who was such a good talker in MMA now all of a sudden can't talk to save her life in WWE. I mean, I yeah. get those different things, but you just see how her persona was in MMA to what she is now. And it's just like, it's night and day. Um, <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, I've seen a lot of people say flash in the pan, which mm. I, I mean, you can't really argue one way or the other because it's, yeah, she has her good moments, but she also doesn't have, has her a very underwhelming moments. This one was kind of in the middle, I think for me. Yeah. Like there were some spots of this match that I actually did like, I'm not yeah. going to lie, Yeah, but it, it could have been a lot better. Like it left a lot to be desired. Yeah, which is kind of, I think, Ronda's title reign in a nutshell. Or at least Ronda's just second stint in WWE in a nutshell. It definitely leaves a lot to be desired because... Yeah. Yikes. 
<laughs> well, I asked you guys what you thought of the match, and 32% of the votes that came in for the match gave it two flame emojis. I give it like two, two and a quarter, yeah. you know, yeah, to, just know. to be just to be generous. To be know? nice. Yeah. Uh Jeffrey on Twitter said another decent but not great match. Uh my only complaint was that WWE rushed mm. the women cash in, which is my next point. Mm. Uh after the match, after Ronda gets uh Natalia to tap out to the armbar, she has a banged up knee apparently. Yeah. Um because of the sharpshooter and everything like that. So Liv Morgan comes out, takes the opportunity to cash in the money in the bank briefcase, something we've been yelling maybe hold on to it a little bit let it let it ride out you know but she yeah. saw her opening to cash in and honestly the way they did this cash in i mean that's the one thing about these money in the bank cash ins is as as many times as they've done it every time they do it it always is a big moment yeah you know? and it's this is what I meant earlier when it was a bittersweet moment, because obviously I was more than happy that Liv finally won the title because we've been screaming about this again for, oh, I don't know, a while now. So good on her, because I think she's more than earned it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I think the actual cash in itself um, was a little bit of, it was a roller coaster of emotions because... <laughs> Once Rousey got her in the ankle lock, I said, are we really going to do this to her yet again? Especially when she like pulled her away from the rope. I said, they're literally going to screw her out of this belt. Or this, yeah, this I got nervous. I got really nervous. And I just, they couldn't have let Liv hit her finisher at least. You kick her in the knee and then you just roll her up. like. Yeah, I was thinking about that too this morning when I was going over my notes. Uh, and I kind of thought the same thing. I, I could have rather her hit her finisher. Or something like that, rather than kind of like a cheap roll-up. Yeah, just give her like the full big moment, not the big moment with an asterisk next to it. Because, my God, I... It's funny that Jeff had mentioned this, because him and I have talked about it before. And literally, you and I have screamed about this on the show more than once. And so I took it upon myself to do a little bit of research before we uh, came on the air today. Mm-hmm. And obviously, to um, live there have been six Money in the Bank winners for the women. Mm-hmm. Uh, first was obviously Carmella. She held it. I mean, technically held it for two days first time. Then when she won it again, she had it for 287 days. So technically she had it for like 289 days. Longest time anyone's ever held on to the contract. Whatever. That's fine. Then you get to Alexa the next year in 2018. She held on to it for two hours and 52 minutes. <laughs> then you move on to Bailey. 2019 held on to it for an hour and 25 you go to 2020 this is kind of the weird one i kind of didn't really count this one because yeah oscar won the like the contract but technically didn't win a contract she won the title and mm-hmm. it was kind of a whole mess because you know it had a tape delay and whatever so i didn't really count oscar as like in this little study that i did so then you go to nikki ash last year she held on to it for basically 24 hours just like a day and then Liv held her contract for two hours. So not counting Carmel and Asuka's uh, wins, obviously. So four out of the six women's Money in the Bank winners have held this briefcase combined for one day, six hours, and 17 minutes. 
Not a lot of time. Barely a day. And I I can't stand it. I really can't stand it because time and again, it just screams. We have no like long-term plans for the women, especially when it comes to money in the bank. Because mm-hmm. I don't. If you did, you clearly wouldn't be having them. I mean, everybody except Nikki A.S.H., basically. Every other woman except her, and obviously Oscar and Carmella, obviously it's different. All of them have cashed in at the pay-per-view. Liv cashed in at the pay-per-view. Alexa cashed in at the pay-per-view. Bailey cashed in at the pay-per-view. So it's almost just like you're almost taking it's yet again, you're taking the suspense away from a stipulation that you created yourself as the WWE that is one of the most suspenseful stipulations you could have. Mm -hmm. Because you literally can just spend almost a whole year. Are they going to cash in or they're not going to cash in? When are they going to, Oh, did they forget that someone even had the briefcase in the first place? Oh no, they didn't. Here's like the, the, the surprise. Finally, they've had so many good cash ins and not a single one of them have been the women because it's just so predictable now because now you're almost just, okay, well, if she wins it, okay, she's either going to cash in tonight or on the, like, the next show. That's literally what they've come to with the women. And I hate that because you can do it so easily with the men, but you can't do it with the women. Yeah. It feels like for the men's, I'm not going to spoil it. Um, even though yeah. it's the next match, I'm. It feels like the men's. It feels like I've, they're gonna drag this one out. No, oh, unfortunately, I think they are. Compared, and- compared to the women, I'm just saying that yeah. compared to compared to the women that they don't get these dragged out stories, which would do some good with the yeah. money in the bank briefcase. Uh, the men's, that's what's gonna happen. So it completely goes to your point that it shows like they really have no long term plans for the women. Yeah, like, it it doesn't even matter if it was a good guy or a bad guy that won it for the women. It literally could be the same type of storyline. You just tweak it a little bit depending on who wins it. You have them waiting in the shadows, teasing, oh, well, maybe tonight's the night, you know, maybe not. Just add that little bit of intrigue. Mm-hmm. You don't even give us that. It's literally within hours Literally, again, Nikki A.S.H. and Carmella were the only two that cashed in out of the six that didn't cash in that night. So you're taking away the surprise. You're taking away the suspense. There's no you're almost you're almost waiting for it nowadays where, okay, how quickly are they going to just throw take the briefcase right off the woman? And I it just wouldn't have surprised me if they didn't even have live successfully cash in in the first place. I, I mean, it kind of looked like that at first when she put her in that ankle lock. Yeah, and that crowd uh, was ready to boo Ronda out of the building because <laughs> yeah. they were not having it. And so I'm glad that they didn't go that route. But still, it's like, can you guys just have them hold on to it for even a month? I think at this point, we'd be happy if they held on to it for more than a week. Yeah. Well, even a day. But it's just like, can you show us you care about the women even a little bit, please? I'm begging you. Because it's a, complete, it's a complete regression. It really is. Like, who would have thought two years ago we would be sitting here talking about this kind of stuff? Now it's yeah. like, what the hell happened? Did you yeah. forget that women can make money for you and do? Do you forget the amount of talent you actually have on your roster? If you actually can't, well, you have to actually keep them first because you got rid of a lot of them. So, <laughs> what what are you doing? 
I and they they have to they have to watch who they put all their eggs in. Like we constantly say, they're constantly putting all their eggs in the Becky Lynch basket. Yes. Charlotte's gonna come back, and you know that that's gonna be a thing where they're gonna make a big fanfare out of that. You know, so yeah. it's like they put their eggs on the same baskets and hope that they can carry on. When you have other people that can do so, you have other talents in the women's division that can carry the division, which is I'm hoping that Liv Morgan has a long title reign, you know, after, after defeating Ronda Rousey, I hope that she has a long title reign because she deserves it. She could be a face of the division, you know, but that doesn't mean just let it be stagnant, you know, feed her some opponents, make some storylines. Yeah. I I just have a very bad feeling that she's not going to get as long of a title reign as we want her to. Because it's just WWE has almost preconditioned us at this point to just always expect the worst possible outcome to happen. Because they really haven't given us any other proof. Like, I would not be surprised if Charlotte comes back and beats her at SummerSlam. Mm. I would love if I'm wrong. I want to be wrong. I would love nothing more than to see Liv Morgan beat Charlotte Flair at SummerSlam. Granted, would I be happy about Charlotte coming back? Probably not. Would I be happy that she be the first title, like the title challenger? Definitely not, because there are plenty others. But there is a question we have about um, Liv's title reign, and I will get to it. But there is one specific person that I would love to see uh, dethrone her for the title. Will it happen? I highly doubt it, but we'll see. But we'll talk about that uh, when we get to the uh, the questions. All right. So moving on, we get to the main event of the evening. It is the men's Money in the Bank briefcase ladder match. And this one, of course, they had to add a little bit of fuckery in it. Uh, yeah. They had to, at the very beginning, Adam Pierce comes out and says that there's an eighth man that is going to be added to the match. And I'm like, who could it possibly be? And it ends up being the man that lost the United States Championship earlier in the night, Theory. So uh, I'm just wondering, man, they, and not that it's a bad thing. But they must really be high on theory, like as far yeah. as what, what he can bring to the table. He's young. He's got a great look to him. He looks like the. I always said about theory, even when he was on the indies. Mm-hmm. When he was on the indies, I'm like, that guy is going to be a WWE star because he's yeah. just perfectly made up into what they would consider a WWE star to be. And I feel like that's why he's getting these opportunities. Yeah. And I think the problem is, is that we're kind of seeing another. Um, Roman Reigns kind of situation, I think, because mm. WWE has a very, like you said earlier, has a very bad habit of if they really, really like something or someone, they will ride that until the wheels fall off and they do not care if the fans don't like it or not. That's who they believe in. So you're going to believe in them, whether you like it or not. And the crowd does not like being told what to do at all. Mm. Um, <laughs> WWE probably thinks he's getting that like good heel heat. He's really not. The fans right. are not to him at all. Like just think about when Adam Pierce announced that it was Austin theory. You could hear the audible groan from the audience. Like, ah, God, really it's him. And then when he takes the briefcase, he just, that building, just the life just got sucked out of that arena. And you could see yeah. people immediately start leaving. They were just leaving in droves at that point. Like as soon as they kept like going back to him, you could just see all these people like walking to the like the concourse behind him on the camera side. Wow. They just didn't they just don't get him or they're just not 
WWE didn't really do a good enough job of making you it's so weird to say but like hate him in the good way Mm -hmm. the natural way not not go away heat yeah exactly and this is i think it is pretty much go away heat because you could have (sighs) just it's just i think it's also too because it kind of just happened out of nowhere it wasn't Mm -hmm. it wasn't like okay yeah we're we'll we wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing him get pushed rather soon. It was just like out of nowhere. It was just, Oh no, he's, he's going to be our guy. And you didn't really give the fans a chance to say whether they liked it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, how about, and how about you work a little more on just as like the character instead of him just winning these big matches? Because if you have somebody like him winning these big matches that the fans don't really care for or aren't invested in, they're going to turn on him rather quickly. And they already are. It's just, it's kind of like I'm trying to think of somebody else that kind of reminds me of. Oh, it's kind of like even Marie too. <laughs> kind of, I mean, obviously a little more talented, obviously, but you get what I mean though, where it's like, we're just going to keep pushing them and pushing them, whether you like it or not. And Oh, they're getting heat. This is what we wanted. And it's like, no, that's actually not the kind we want because we don't care about them. We just want them to go away. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree with everything that you're saying. Only, only thing is that I feel like, the theory is he's talented. Yeah, he is. Say, he's talented. Um, it's just kind of like maybe it's a little too soon for him to be getting this time yes. to shine because he's so he's still so young. I think he's only like twenty four years old. Yeah, he's younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's getting all these opportunities, and then he gets this uh, opportunity to be in the Money in the Bank briefcase ladder match, even though he lost earlier in the evening. He lost the United States Championship. Um, But the match itself had a little bit more chaos and carnage uh, compared to the women's, which is understandable. Uh, There were some scary spots, you know, a lot of ladder spots. Um, I particularly enjoyed the way they got rid of Omos. Uh, in the match because that was a creative way to neutralize a seven foot three Nigerian giant. They do so, love burying people under like objects. <laughs> they, they? they buried him and he still came back after that. They had to all power bomb him through the announce table for him to stay down. But yeah. it took all of them to do that, which was crazy. Yeah, it really, it really wasn't a bad, it was again, it was just one of those, Oh, it was a bad man. It was a, it was a good match. Terrible, like the wrong person won. Who would you mo- rather have won the match? I feel like it would have made more sense storyline wise if you had like Sami Zayn or Seth Rollins. Ooh, because they kind of hinted at it a little bit too. Like Sami said, if I win, I'm just gonna sit on the contract and just not do it. And then they could have easily, they could have really easily done something with that. Or like that would have been creative. Yeah, they would have been. That would have been very creative to have Sami Zayn win the briefcase and. Maybe sit on it. Maybe take his shot at, at winning the title. Exactly. Like, is he going to actually do it? Or is he just going to be like what he usually is? Just a snake in the grass. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's cashing in. But this is just, yeah, again, I think it's just a case of too much too soon. And mm-hmm. it just, I think, again, the problem is we've seen back in the ruthless aggression era days. They kind of did this with like Orton and Cena and Batista. But you kind of can't compare theory to any of them. You really can't. Um, so I think they kind of did what they usually do. Well, well, it worked a few times before, so it's going to work now, except it's not always going to work. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't, it didn't work. 
And I don't think it's going to. And I feel like WWE's not going to have the wherewithal to stop it. They're just going to, they're just going to keep going with him because he's Vince's guy. And whether we care or not, it's, um, it's still going to happen. But yeah, I think this was the, this was the case of the wrong guy won that briefcase. Yeah, well, I asked you guys what you thought of the match on Twitter, and out of all the votes that came in for this match, 38% gave it one flame emoji. So I think uh, it's safe to say the the Twitter people that, that follow us that vote um, probably felt the same way as you do is the wrong guy won. Yeah, yeah, it was just... Uh... Not good. Just not good. Not good. Well, I asked you guys uh, what you thought of Money in the Bank altogether and what was your final grade for the show. And out of all the votes that came in for that uh, poll, 47% gave it three flame emojis. I kind of have to agree. It wasn't a bad show, but it wasn't a great show either. It just felt like another. It felt like, honestly, it kind of flew by. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think if, since I said it was just average, I think I would give it two and a half, just kind of right in the middle. Cause mm-hmm. again, it was just, it wasn't, I gave up halfway through cause it was so bad, but I also wasn't necessarily paying attention to a lot of it. Um, because I was just, they didn't give me a reason to pay attention basically. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, if it wasn't for that, for that tag match, it'd be really hard to find something to be like, that was something to look out for. Okay. If you didn't see the Usos versus the Street cool. Profits on the show, definitely go out of your way and uh, watch it because you will be entertained for sure. Yes, I definitely agree that if you're going to watch any match, you definitely have to watch that one at the very least. Yep, definitely for sure. Well, that concludes our coverage of WWE Money in the Bank. So there you have it. Those are all the match polls and everything like we do for every pay-per-view. But it's time to get to our favorite part of the show, where we get to answer some of your questions in the mailbag segment. So uh, you have the questions ready for us? We have a lot of questions, I assume. Yes, we got we got quite a few questions, um, as always, which we always appreciate. I always, the more questions, the better, I think. Me too. So let's go. Uh, let's start with uh, Jeff's questions. So Jeff, thank you for your questions, as always. Uh, his first one is... Yeah. Why did WWE have to ruin the men's money in the bank match by adding theory to it and then giving him the win? He thought it was absolutely stupid. I mean, I have to agree. <laughs> I would have much rather have Riddle won the match. It's almost like anybody else. That, okay, maybe not Omos, but basically anybody else in that match I would have been more okay with than theory winning. Because again, it's just the problem of you're pushing him too much too fast and the fans mm-hmm. don't really like that anymore. And yeah, they haven't given him. They haven't given us a reason to actually hate him as like a character. Yeah, you just want to see him kind of go away when he comes yes. on the screen. Yes, exactly. So yeah, it's just yeah, it was just not a. It was not good. Um, <laughs> I just do we really see him actually cashing in on Roman Reigns? Like yeah, well, I I, <laughs> I would assume Roman will probably squash him unless he could figure out a way to do it underhandedly. And well, then that'll definitely get him some heat. Well, you got the backing of Vince McMahon, so anything can really happen, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, this one is rather interesting because I've seen this um, as an observation more than once lately, but um, Jeff actually asked the question, is it just him or does theory remind us of Sammy Guevara as well? 
Mm. A little bit, yeah. Kind of that, but, it's kind of that, uh, I wouldn't even really say like the cockiness. I think it just kind of, like you said, kind of to the, the point brashness. of, go away, please. Yeah. Yeah. It's the brashness and, and not, like you said, it's not even cockiness at this point. It's just over, overtly shoving his confidence down our throat. Obnoxious. You know, obnoxious. That's a good way. O- overtly obnoxious way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he does have a little bit of, of, of Sammy Guevara in him. I just think, to me, the one saving grace for Theory is that he looks like everything the WWE would want in a yes. WWE superstar. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think I think that's just the, definitely the similarity of they both. I think fans would just would prefer to go away. Yeah, especially when you're Sammy Guevara and you're shoving your tongue down Ty Conti's throat. Even through the goddamn cage during Blood and Guts too, I said you can't even you can't even help yourself even in the match, but <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, uh, uh, he's got to get me all riled up again. What is WWE's <laughs> obsession with not allowing the women's briefcase winners to hold it for longer than two hours? You know, I'll, I'll let you take over for that one. I mean, obviously we spend a good oh I don't know 10 15 minutes talking about it earlier but I think it just boils down to whether they want to admit it or not WWE has no long-term plans for the women or just incapable of coming up with long-term plans for the women so it's just another let's just get this over with and move on to the next thing because they just don't care that's literally what they're telling us and if they think that's not the case they're lying yeah I I have you know I can't agree with you more you know, I just feel like there's no long-term planning for the women. The women's division is already thin as it is. Yeah. Um, even with the women that you have, you could make some great storylines out of it if you just take the time to be creative. But I feel like they're just rushing everything. They're just boom, yeah. boom, boom. Hopefully Liv Morgan which winning this uh, championship, which is a positive thing because she mm-hmm. deserves to be a champion at this point of her of career. Um, I feel like she can lead a division, but hopefully uh, they actually give her the, the chance to, you know. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because our next question from Jeff is, will WWE give Liv Morgan the reign she deserves or do we think she's going to be done dirty like Nikki A.S.H.? Um, I don't know. That's different because people actually want to see Liv Morgan as champion. She has like a fan base behind her. Yeah, I think the problem is, is that as we have clearly uh, seen more than once that Apparently, if you have a passionate fan base behind you, that really doesn't mean anything if the boss doesn't see it that way. Um, well, yeah. You can just look at Naomi and how well that's worked for her um, since. And, I mean, hell, even leading up to this, how well did that work for Liv Morgan? Because how many times were we... We literally came on here and we're like, yeah, we were completely let down because this was finally the moment and they didn't give it to her. And it's just sad that, again, we're... At least I am. I don't know about you. It's almost preconditioned to think that, okay, um, yeah, they're going to give her this just for the feel-good moment, and then literally by SummerSlam, she's going to lose it. I hope not. I, I really not. I, I really hope not, too. But again, it's almost like you wouldn't be surprised. Um, and just because we wouldn't be surprised wouldn't mean we'd be any less angry. I would be very angry. Um, that would be a fun rant on the show for our listeners. But <laughs> I want to be wrong. I really hope I'm going to be wrong. But... Who knows? With WWE, you can't tell anymore. Um, I just hope that she gets a decent enough run and not you blinked and she loses it literally the next night or 
at the very least, at the next pay per view is still not even enough because it's literally a month away. It's next month. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't. I feel like for for Liv, it's either going to be Charlotte coming back or maybe even Bailey coming back. I would rather have Bailey. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just because we haven't seen Bailey in quite a while, so it'd be something by their standards new. Charlotte would just be again. Yeah. So yeah, I again, I think we do have another question uh, like that. So I will, I will save my answers for that later. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, Jeff's last question was, um, he said that Forbidden Door was an excellent show, as we agreed. Uh, blew Money in the Bank out of the water, which I think we'd also have to agree. Um, with that being said, was it a good call to have Pack win the All Atlantic Championship? Well. How can we say this without sounding extremely biased? I mean, I'm not mad that he won. I'm not either. I honestly, I would have rather. I mean, obviously, we both would have rather have had uh, Malachi because, again, we're card carrying members of the House of Black. But I'm glad it wasn't Miro because Miro would have been way too obvious. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm I, still trying. I'm still trying to figure Miro out. Like, yeah, what's his game with? I don't know what's his character arc is supposed to be. It's like, yeah, is he the, God. Yeah. Like, is he vengeful for God or against God? <laughs> like, yeah. And it's, it's, ugh, I don't know about you. It's kind of tough for me because I'm not really much of a religious person per se. So once we start talking about religion, I kind of don't listen. Um, yeah. I yeah, think so there needs to be a separation of that from, yeah, so maybe don't. From, from wrestling. Yeah. Maybe not the best idea, but, um, but yeah, I, I'm not mad with him winning. I mean, like we said, he's a lifer from like day one from AEW. So I'm all right with him winning it. It just definitely was not my first option, but he also wasn't my worst either. So there's that. I'm just hoping Malachi takes it off him at some point, or I just want to see the house of black with some type of gold at this point. I don't care what belt it is. I just want to see them with something. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's basically it. Um, so that was all of Jeff's questions. So Jeff, thank you again. Let's see. <sighs> I'll leave this up to you. Do we want to go with mom's questions first or Jack's? Let's go with mom's. All right. So we're going to go for mom's questions. So mom, thank you. Even though she's literally in the next room over, but you'll <laughs> hear it eventually. Um, <sighs> all right. So this one I thought was rather interesting. Um, it was interestingly worded, I think. I might have a different opinion on it. Who do we think will be Liv Morgan's first title defense? And why is it the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler? Ooh. Well, That'd be something you want to see for sure. Well, I feel like I wouldn't want her to be the first title defense because I feel like that would most likely not go in Shayna's favor. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting, though. I don't know if you had seen it on Twitter because I, cert- I certainly do because I have a... Shana's like tweet notifications on. So when she tweets, I see what she says. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was WWE on Fox or WWE's Twitter or something. They had like the picture of um, live with the title. And it said, this is reality. And Shana said, does someone say reality? Cause that was, <laughs> that was always her thing. The hard dose of reality. Right. And so I'm like, okay. And it is the SmackDown women's championship and Shana is on SmackDown, but I would much rather her, be the one to beat Shane or beat live for the title, not necessarily be the first defense because I have a feeling if she'd be the first title defense for live, she wouldn't win. Mm-hmm. So I would much rather have Shayna be the, um, 
how would we word it? The final title defense for Liv. I feel like they could make a creative storyline out of it, though. Um, yeah. Similar to what they did with uh, Dakota Kai in the beginning where she was afraid of Shayna Baszler. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it, would be, and it would be a switch because you'd have the champion being scared of the challenger, not the other way around. Right. Yeah. Um, it's... It still was a little. It still bummed me out a little bit that we didn't get Ronda and Shayna because that could have been a great storyline right there. As long as WWE didn't screw it up, but you had the them potential. Two being right fr- yeah, them two being best of friends and you know going after each other for a title. Exactly. Yeah, they could have done that, but I don't know. Maybe they'll have a program outside of a title, which I mean, it would still be kind of cool, but kind of not as important if they don't have a title with it. But um, yeah, I. I will change the question around and I will, I would want Shayna to beat Liv for the title, but as for her first challenger, I'm going to think it's probably going to be, <sighs> I don't, I don't feel like her first title defense is going to be at SummerSlam though. I think they might do one on SmackDown leading up to it. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. maybe like Shotzi. Oh. Which is kind of a shame because I feel like Shotzi deserves a little more than that, but I really got nothing going on for her right now. Um, who else? It's That'd hard be kind that, of a cool contrast styles. Right? It's kind of hard to remember, too, who's on the roster and who's not. Um, well, yeah, depending on the show. Because remember, it's now SmackDown-centric. So yeah, who, who on SmackDown? I mean, you got Shotzi, Aaliyah, Raquel Rodriguez, mm-hmm. uh, Natalia. Shayna. Shayna. I'm just gonna say I'm just gonna say for the sake of it, Shotzi is gonna be the first challenger, but I want Shayna to be the one to beat her for the title. Is it gonna happen? I highly doubt it because why would we at this point? <laughs> um it's very it's it's kinda like the whole King Coda showing up in AEW. I'm gonna keep saying it until it actually happens or it doesn't, then we'll see. But uh yeah, I'll say Shotzi for the, the hell of it. Yeah, I think that's a good choice though. I'd say so. I mean, and obviously we know Shotzi's not going to win, but I still think it'd be a really good match between the two, hopefully. Um, if Shotzi doesn't have a concussion from cutting her head open on the back of the ladder, because that was still, uh, that was very brutal. Um, and that re- that replay did not do it justice, or didn't do it justice, because you could see as soon as she, like, even in slow motion, you're like, yep, that, uh, that would explain why you were bleeding, because... <laughs> She wasn't bleeding, and all of a sudden she was, and then they showed the replay, and we're like, yeah, that was not uh, good. Right right across the back of the edge of the ladder. So that was great. But yeah, we'll just say Shotzi and see what happens. Um, I know this has been something she's been wanting. This is another thing, kind of like how I keep saying about King Coda and AEW. Mom's been saying this in about AEW until it actually happens or it doesn't. Um, do we think Karrion Cro- well, Killer Cross is going to be AEW's next big signing? Oh. Mm. I don't I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think because isn't he, what is he doing right now? I think he's with um, Is he still with the MLW or doing anything like that? I think he might be. Um, he really, he, well he had a little bit of a, like a video promo on his Twitter today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. But it didn't really give any hints to like, I mean, it was just kind of like a whole maybe starting a new kind of esque promo, but not like this is where we're going with like this is where we're going kind of promo. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, there would be a lot of good matches for him in AEW. Like, let's see, put him against 
you know, the likes of, uh, I mean, him and Malachi, we've been asking for that for a while. That would be fun. Yeah, that I definitely would want to see him versus Malachi. I mean, him and Moxley, him and Claudio. Him and Moxley, him in the main event scene would be pretty good. I I think because he could play that kind of like maniacal character. Mm Mm-hmm maybe try to hijack the show and i think he i think and he's had a match with moxley on the indies before yeah um not too long ago actually mm-hmm. so i think they would have good enough chemistry that it can actually work out i think he'd be a good fit in AEW. it's just a matter of it, does AEW want to bring in another former wwe person into the fold yeah and try to yeah. put them on the card and bring them up to a level where they're not just a former AEW or, or former WWE person. I mean, it's kind of tough because I, um, I saw it on Twitter either earlier today or yesterday where someone really thought it was um, the whole, Oh, well there's so many ex WWE guys in AEW argument was kind of stupid because they're like, look, WWE has been the biggest company in wrestling for, oh, I don't know, decades now. So when you have this, wildly successful startup come up out of nowhere of course they're going to take people from wwe that leave so you'd literally say that about any promotion and if wwe was if it was like the reverse wwe would be doing the exact same thing hell they did they literally hoarded how many people from the indies so AEW wouldn't get to them yeah so you can't i mean i see where the like to a degree where the argument is but you kind of can't really make it because anybody would do that it just yeah, so happens to be Yeah, I mean, he is a talented individual and he would be a great asset to any promotion that he lands in. It's just a matter of timing. You yeah. know, t- especially after they just picked up Claudio Castagnoli, you want to build mm-hmm. him up. Yeah. You know, there's there's so many other guys on the roster already that you want to build up that, you know, you want to add another person that you have to build because yeah. you can't just let them go by the wayside and then put them on dark. Well, and you're kind of starting to lose people from AEW anyway. Like you lost uh, Joey Janela, mm-hmm. you lost Marco Stunt, you lost uh, Stu Grayson. You, I think they just lost Alan Angels too. They said his yeah. contract expired. So, I mean, granted, those aren't like main event level guys that AEW was using, but still, you're starting to get that effect of they're not really being used because there's other people that you sign that you're going to push to the moon. So what are you going to mm-hmm. do with them? And the dark order, unfortunately has been kind of put to the wayside lately. And it's kind of a shame because the dark order is still wildly popular. So yeah, I think it's all about timing. I don't think right now would be a good idea, but mm-hmm. I don't know. That's why, that's why we're on this podcast and not, <laughs> I guess with AW. who knows, but, um, <laughs> Um, is it time for the Usos to lose the tag titles? No, I don't think. So. I mean, unless they're going to lose it to the Street Profits, but I mean, they just won the undisputed tag titles. I mean, yeah. I kind of want to see them get a run with that. I mean, it's working so well. The Bloodline storyline is probably the best storyline in WWE going right now because it's the mm-hmm. most coherent. It's the most well thought out. It's like I say with the women's division. They put all their eggs in the basket, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. I don't think it's time for them to lose yet because they're just they're just too good right now. You just can't really have them. Too like you good, said, lose the, lose the belt after you just want them. So, yeah, no, I would say uh, I wouldn't say they should lose them anytime soon. Um, <laughs> she wanted us to touch on the 
deep and insightful words from Hook this week on Rampage. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, I mean, basically Marvez, like, you know, I kind of just get that you're like a go with the flow kind of guy. And then poor Marvez just gets like, I don't know, not, you know, he kind of got roughed up a little bit and yeah, he, got gri- Hook, he got gripped up and he got, he got grabbed and Hook was like, you know, that's the problem. You, people don't think. And then something about to the degree of, I think like what's essential isn't always visible to the eye or something like that. Something deep and prophetic. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, Hook's getting like all like philosophical on us on Rampage right now. But it's like, I wonder what that means. And it's kind of interesting because it kind of haven't shown Hookhausen lately. It's been kind of like Dan's doing his thing and Hook's doing his thing. So it's like, are we, did they just stop with Hookhausen already? I kind of hope not because there's so much left that they could do as a team. So who knows? I mean, I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, I like I like that they can go off and do their own individual thing and then yeah. reform as a team. Yeah, you know I you know I feel like you don't want them confined to just being a team. No, I feel like they can go off and do their own thing and still have fun and and come back as Hookhausen and be a team. I mean, Dan hasn't had his wonderful homecoming moment in Detroit on a, at Blood and Guts. That was great. Yeah, and he got the team with FTR, which was pretty cool. I didn't see yeah. that happening. I kind of thought it was going to happen because he's like, yeah, I got two people that, I don't know, are pretty good at wrestling, I think. And I'm like, okay, that has to be FDR because who else would it be? And yeah, that, oh God, that pop that both of them got. You thought Dan's was loud. Jesus, FTR's was insane. I was like, blow the roof off the place. Um, But that just shows you how popular they are. Both him, they're both them and Danhausen, but at least you got to see that. So that was, that was good. Um. All right, so those are all of Mom's questions. So, Mom, thank you again. So, we will finish with Jack's questions. And um, he said literally what everybody else has been saying. And his first question is, does WWE just hate having two briefcases floating around during the year? Yeah, apparently. It causes them to think too much. They have to think and be creative. And we can't have that. It's too much work, apparently. It's just those one briefcase was bad enough, and then you add two more, and or one more, and it's just too much to have two. And they just, God forbid, they actually use critical thinking, and um, <laughs> this is what we get instead. So, yeah, I think WWE just hates the thought of two briefcases being in storylines at the same time. I guess I don't know. It's <sighs> annoying. I don't think we need to have another a third rant about that. But <laughs> short answer: Yes, I think they do hate having two briefcases floating around apparently um oh this one's interesting is roman reigns's light schedule hurting the storylines Ooh, that's a good um, question i think a little bit it's yeah kind of tough when he's not here because i'm i'm enjoying the tribal chief character so much yeah and i'm enjoying this title reign so much because it's just been so dominant it's almost like you don't really have to write anything. It's just like, okay, is this next person going to be the person to take the title off Roman? Nope. Okay. Move on to the next one. Yeah, Literally. Literally. And you don't want him to kind of get the like Brock Lesnar thing of he has a title and now he's disappearing and we don't like that. So yeah, if he'd be around a little more, that'd be helpful because I mean, hell they just like advertise that him and, Lesnar wrestling at SummerSlam, the last man standing match for the title, which why did we get that anyway? And then it's just kind of been like, okay, that's like, that's it. Yeah. Nothing really else. Just, okay, well, that's going to be happening in a month or two. So yeah. 
yeah, he. I, it would be nice if he was around just a little bit more because, you know, he is the champion. That is kind of, you would think, what the point of it is. But I think what's hurting them more, too, is that they they can't build up anybody new. Nope. They're having, tro- they're having trouble building up new people to face Roman Reigns because he's just running through everybody. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, who's next? And then there hasn't been much. I mean, they could go like Bobby Lashley is a route that they can go. Yeah. I mean, he's very over. Drew McIntyre still kind of over. But again, these are guys that like if, if uh, Roman beats them, it's like it's almost expected because he's beating everybody else. Yeah, and even then, you just think of, like, Lashley and McIntyre, and you're kind of like, eh. Not like, no, that is definitely who's going to beat him. It's just kind of like, mm, maybe, probably not. You don't have anybody that you could definitively look at them and go, yeah, he can beat Roman. It's just like, eh, maybe, I guess, but not really. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they need to work on that a little bit, but oh well. <laughs> um Oh boy. Will Luchasaurus have an airbud moment with Chunkle Boy and Christian? Meaning I um I don't know to be honest. <laughs> I mean I, I yeah, I still I mean I still love Jack's questions though. Um they always make us think. <laughs> I mean I thought the only thing I could really think of with this whole Luchasaurus thing, because I'm not entirely sure why they did that. Um, I don't know if maybe they, he's just kind of like pulling a fast one on Christian. And then when Jungle Boy comes back and Christian thinks he finally has the upper hand on Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus was just faking it the whole time. I'm Ooh, hoping that's that the case. I'm kind of hoping that's be the case because right now it makes Luchasaurus look really silly that we went through all of this and you literally still took Christian Cage's side. Like, what was that all about? Um, but he got new music in Pyro. Yeah, and now he's black instead of green. <laughs> so I think they're going to, most likely, I would think, try to explain that on Wednesday. I think they said they were going to appear. So uh. maybe they'll try to explain it because I don't really see how this doesn't make Luchasaurus look really gullible right now. Um, like I said, unless he's pulling a fast one on Christian and he doesn't know it yet. Maybe, maybe. I'm hoping. Um, what do we think of Orange Cassidy's new theme music? I like it. I, I actually dig it. It's really, I, I, it's an older one too. I think like 70s, 80s. Yeah, I kind of have a soft spot for like old 70s, like classic rock. Yeah. So it has that vibe to it. You know, you just kind of like vibe out to it, you yeah. know? Yeah, I they like said it. that was his music on the indies too. Um, it's a, was it Jane by Steph- Jefferson Starship, I think? Ah, okay. I think, that's, I think that's the name of it. Yeah. Um, I like it. Yeah, I agree. I'm okay with that. I like the old school kind of. I mean, obviously, I'm a little more like privy to 80s hair rock and like metal, all that fun, kind of fun stuff. But yeah, I think it fits him. I think it fits him pretty well, actually. Um, I think so too. I think people were expecting that to actually happen at Forbidden Door. So I'm kind of surprised they held off on that until Blood and Guts. But because I think Orange even kind of hinted at it too, because. I think Osprey was like gloating about like what attire he was going to wear. And Orange is like, oh, yeah, it seems like Osprey has something. I think I have something too. I don't know, like tune in. And so I think that's what a lot of people were expecting. And it didn't happen, but we got it for blood and guts. So that's, uh, seems like that's his new music now. And I'm perfectly okay with it. I think it fits him. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. I do too. And our final question is should Hookhausen feud with the Ass Boys? Should <laughs> just, I love it. 
just anytime I hear ass boys, I just laugh. It's just such a funny name for a team. But yes, right? I want to see more Hookhausen. I kind of, you know what? I kind of am uh, privy to to the ass boys. I think they've been doing their job pretty well. I think so. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was just so funny because I mean, I feel like you almost expect them to feud Hookhausen and the ass boys because Dan's been driving them insane for months now. And yeah, he's the one that started. Isn't he the one that started the whole ass boys thing? Yeah, I think he did. And I think it, I don't remember if he actually said it on like Dynamite or Rampage or if they said it on like one of his vlogs and it just kind of stuck. But I mean, clear, however it happened, it stuck and it's just turned into this whole thing. And yeah, but kind of like to see, you know, maybe the ass boys kind of get a poor Danhausen cornered and then hook comes to save today and then they have a match and i think it'd be pretty good because honestly austin and colton gunn have been pretty good lately they've kind of yeah, they definitely surprising me actually yeah to honestly because you didn't expect i didn't expect a lot of them to be honest it's kind of a shame considering they're billy gunn's kids but <laughs> no they've been doing pretty good and it's kind of a shame i kind of don't think they should break up them with the acclaimed yet but kind of seems like they're going to um at least from what we saw in Blood and Guts, because kind of saw Billy Gunn take the side of the acclaim, which you never thought you'd take somebody else's side except your kids. <laughs> but hey, I don't know. I mean, he seems like he was kind of tired of them, which, you know, I, I guess you kind of get sick of your kids. I, I'm sure that's a thing all parents have felt. Um, <laughs> I could ask my mom then. She'd probably agree, but who knows? Um, but yeah, I would love to see Hookhausen and the Ass Boys feud. I think it'd be it, it would be hilarious. It would be just so funny because Dan would just try to mess with them as much as possible, and Hook would just be there. And the Ass Boys are just funny as it is. I mean, you got a funny yeah. name, and they're so stupid it's funny. So yeah, I would love to see that. That would be that would be a little, very entertaining. I think so. And I do believe that is all the questions, actually. Wow, we got through all the questions. We did. All wow. 15 of them, I think. Wow. A lot. That is uh, that is something. I always enjoy the questions because it's my favorite part of the show. It's a chance for other people who actually listen to the show to be a part of the show, and that's something that I always want. I always want people to be a part of the show. So um, how can you a- ask your questions? You ask? Well, it's easy. Just follow us on social media. We're available on Twitter and Instagram at the same handle at ringside rundown. And every week before we do a day before we do the podcast, usually I'll drop a tweet asking you guys to send in questions. And all you got to do is just leave a reply with your question and we'll definitely answer on the show. Um, If you want to get in touch with me personally and talk wrestling with me, you can reach me at wrestling cron at wrestling C H R O N on Twitter. Shay, where can they get in touch with you? can find me on Twitter at Shailene Hickson 21 and occasionally on Twitch at uh, Shay underscore Hickson 21. We're still, that's a work in progress right now. But uh, in the meantime, definitely check out Eric's uh, Twitch because he's been getting back into it a little bit lately. Yeah, I've been getting back into the Twitch game a little bit. Going to try to ease my way back into it. Um, I usually uh, stream Monday through Friday if you want to check me out in the afternoon time. Usually about 2 p.m. or 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash ericthegost. That's again twitch.tv slash ericthegost. Maybe I'll incorporate some WWE stuff once I can figure out how to make it competent and have a good stream with it. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, go for it. Do the thing. <laughs> definitely, definitely. But uh, again, check us out. It's on Twitter and Instagram at Ringside Rundown. And every week we drop a questions tweet. So make sure you reply if you have a question for us that you want us to answer on the show. And as far as this podcast, you can listen to this podcast all across the board on the internet. It's available on multiple different platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts, this podcast is available. All you got to do is search Ringside Rundown and you'll find it. If you can't find it, just find us on social media and I will provide you with a link to listen to the show because that's what we do. We try to deliver you the goods. We need to deliver the goods always. Always delivering the goods for you here at the Ringside Rundown Podcast. It's always a joy to do this podcast, and I can't wait to do it next week. Uh, next week, we're probably going to be back to our original format, just recapping the shows and letting you know what's going down. And if there's any interesting news, news like, uh, you know, a secret affair. <laughs> you know, somebody- something, something that doesn't happen very often or that's so just out of there, like, you know, like a lawsuit. Yeah, like a lawsuit or covering up a death or something like that. I don't know. Some typical Vince McMahon stuff that he seems to get himself into. We will provide it with you here on the show to talk about it. Uh, But that's it for us on the Ringside Rundown podcast. I I think we covered everything, did we? we? I think we got it. All right. For Shea Hickson, my name is Eric Vasquez, and we'll see you again on the Ringside Rundown podcast. See you guys.